0: And what that's done is they usually have recorded this in the past and it's like something is broken somewhere else. So they're like, okay, let's fix it. And then demo that. So it's like different clips, whereas Palantir, they're able to go from one thing to another, to another, to in one screen, which is, it's something to be said about the integration within the actual platform itself. That's actually quite difficult to do. It's an easy thing to do, but the complexity is actually like, it's it's not something that <laughs> works out of the box. And this is what plagues a lot of people that are trying to build software from the ground up.
1: Okay, we're talking about the bullish side of, Pal- of Palantir and I love talking about the bullish side of Palantir because often I feel like just innately I'm very critical of myself and I try to be very critical of like the, the equities I'm holding. But yeah. I think it's sometimes good to, to, to talk about the, the bullish side of Palantir. Today I was researching before you came on the podcast um, Industry 4.0, which is kind of this buzzword for basically <laughs> digitalization occurring in the future and yeah. automation and disruption when it comes to innovation. Um, I was still rising over google over microsoft and i think in the future at least my my theory suggests that in the future organizations specifically within within the tech scene it's going to be a winner-takes-all type market now we've heard this terminology kind of thrown around in the in the in the past by kathy wood and i think it's also intertwined with something called Wright's law which basically suggests that costs decrease as output scales um it's basically very similar to to the idea of economies of scale and and researchers at mit have proven this is um, apparent in, uh, in all areas of technology, which is fascinating. So in consideration of the fact that Palantir is the first mover, in consideration of the fact historically they have the best talent, in consideration of the fact that Palantir is garnering competitive moats 10, 15, 20 years down the line through their SPAC initiatives, through battle testing their software with their governments, can a company like Google could be, compete? Can a company like Microsoft compete? Is there plausibility to those arguments, or is it fair to say that number one Palantir are really garnering huge competitive moats uh, for for such yeah. a long period down the line? And this could potentially be a winner takes all esque market. Is that is that a fair statement to make?
0: Yeah, theoretically, yeah, theoretically, it's definitely a fair statement to make. Um, actually, you know, I, I think, I've thought a lot about this. and made a few videos on this stuff as well. Um, okay. All right, I'll give you my honest opinion, but the the truth is, theoretically, you can easily make the fact that Palantir, with its current state, can do a winner-take-all mark. It's basically playing in a a class of its own. Actually, part of that reason is because, you know, it's like they're they're addressing everything. It's a whole platform, right? We just discussed that, but anyway. um, Yeah, so it is definitely a winner-take-all, but I I gotta be honest with you, the reason why I don't believe that so so much is because I think it's a winner-take-most mainly like realistically, right? Realistically, 20 years from now, who knows? But, and I I can't base this on anything other than just the fact that, you know, put it this way, put it this way. Google and Microsoft and all this other, all these like, you know, big companies, Oracle, all these folks, right? When they make a piece of software, sometimes it's really crappy. Like I've worked with a lot of Microsoft software and, and some Oracle and not all of it works out of the box. And I've worked with the exact same thing in another company and it works fantastically. So there's a level of inconsistency, but anytime I've ever spoken to any person that's worked in Microsoft or anybody else sort of off, off to the side, they're always like, yeah, you know, but you guys will still buy it. Right. Mm. It's like, right. And and I've never been the one making decisions. So, you know, like I'm a consultant. So it's like you, you pay me. So I'm not going to tell you what to buy. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, people buy it. They can make a piece of garbage software and people will still buy it. Now what a Palantir will do, I think is this is why I don't think it's a winner take, Winner take all, but what Palantir will do is they'll eventually put pressure on some of these companies to actually make the best product that they can do, right? Not, not. I don't think they'll compete with Palantir one to one, but what they might do is they might ratchet up their existing sort of offerings and it'll be better. Like a classic example is look what happened to, uh, with Slack and Microsoft, right? And there's other ones, but this, Slack is something that a lot of people are invested in, so let's bring that up, right? When Slack was was really sort of like in the in in the space and it was started to. Um, you know, permeate through all sorts of companies, like, uh, what was it, 2013 to 16, I think it was. They actually wrote a letter to Microsoft saying, oh, you know, because Microsoft posted this thing, we're like, okay, we're going to take this seriously. We're going to compete with Slack. And this is when um, they, this is right after they acquired Skype and they tried to make Skype into this like ad and business type of thing. But Slack was just way better, right? It was a totally new, uh, you know, entry into the market. Uh, The integrations for, you know, pipeline stuff for for developers within Slack was super revolutionary, like never seen before, Um, never actually done that well before it was seen before. But what happened was Microsoft, it took them three years, maybe, actually probably even less, but it took them less time to make something that's actually better than Slack and cheaper than Slack because it's included into the suite. And they basically, I mean, that's after that Slack just sold off, right? (laughs) It sold to, to Salesforce. so. What I think is happening is most of these companies, specifically Microsoft and Google, are fine with making just okay product. I'm not saying that they're okay. They're decent. I'm not saying that the product is bad. But no matter what they make, these people will buy it. Just to, just to uh, you, you said you're in uh, uh, like the media space, right? Yeah. So Google's placed heavily in the media space. Uh, they have these things called DB316, a bunch of other things for advertisers, right? If you actually take a look at it, it's a quite a good product. But they have a smaller subset of products for, uh, for smaller agencies that are absolute dog shit. But they still buy it, right? So I think what's going to happen now is Palantir is going to put a lot of pressure because Google and Microsoft will see the fact that this is a holistic product. And they're like, okay, we can't, we can't come up with half-assed product and half-baked products that even if they are cheap, kind of barely work. We'd rather come up with something that's a little bit better and see what happens. That's my opinion That's what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And the second point I want to make on this topic is that we all have to understand, guys, okay? A lot of people are coming from the Tesla side of it, right? I get it, but we are not amongst like Palantir is not amongst the midst of Luddites. These guys are tech companies at their absolute prime. Right. And and some of the people that have helped build uh, like Google has only been around what, like they've only started, you know, really swinging their, their weight around since 2000, what, seven, eight, nine ish. Right. So we're, we're talking less than 20 years. Right. So that's still, if you take, if you really think about it, those core developers, the real a team for some of these companies are probably still there. Right. So, and these guys have, they hire, they hire a lot of engineers, but they have some very, very good talent. So is, it, is there something that, like these guys might not have been pushed for a long time, right? But now some, with some like Palantir on the horizon, they might look at them and say, holy crap. Okay, we finally have a challenger. So let's actually go out there and like flex a little bit. I think that's what happened. To be honest, Palantir will be first. I think uh, in the enterprise space, Palantir will overtake Microsoft in the long run. But I think Microsoft is going to be fine with that. They're going to um, let Palantir take over and then turn around and just turn their guns on everyone else. So yeah, that's what they're going to
1: do. I think that's fascinating, and I haven't actually heard that that reasoning before, but I think it's very good reasoning. Um, Theoretically, it's possible for a winner-takes-all market, but in reality, I mean, it's it's another ball game because you do say, as as you said, Google and Microsoft and, and some of these companies are really just in their prime. I mean, Google hasn't been around for that long in the grand scheme of things, so it's fascinating to see where that where that company goes, and especially in in, in the cultural side of Google, Microsoft, and all these companies, they're they're from the top down. They're focused on innovation. That's their culture. Um, they're focused on creating the best stuff, and I think. I do side with the argument that, that Google and these companies perhaps will come face to face with Palantir sometimes in the future. Um, we'll see in what dimension. I know I know Palantir have already beaten uh, Microsoft in the context of Skywise. Microsoft yeah. were, were, were developing a system for Boeing and airlines to use. It didn't end up working as well. Um, and I think their contract was only around two years until Palantir came in two years after and managed to displace Microsoft, which was interesting to right. see. Um, I was theorizing over the this in the car yesterday and i think i posted this this on twitter and i was theorizing over just a macro and i like to think macro sometimes in comparison to specific companies but i was theorizing over the over the possibility of you know me five years down the line reflecting back on, Mm. on moments like this i think from a macro point of view it's incredibly logical to state and it's highly highly likely that everyone can see in five years time um there's going to be a huge emphasis on data. So we know where the macro is going, right? We know where the macro is going in terms of data exponentially growing. 90% of all data was created in the past two years. We also know that organizations today are currently not utilizing the potential of the data. right? So you have these, these trends that are occurring. I think there's other comparisons with other industries. For example, um, for example, cryptocurrencies. I'm not a big Bitcoin fan at all anymore, um, but I do believe overall in the long-term macro trend of cryptocurrencies in some sense in the blockchain. So I think you can see this this macro trend occur, um, and I think you can predict uh, fairly logically. It's almost inevitable that these macro trends are going to occur, for example, the data scene. My question to you is, Can you see a possibility in which software in the future is not a competitive edge for organisations? I think it's highly likely in the future that software is going to be a fundamental necessity for organisations. It's not a luxury anymore. You're going to need to empower yourself with that data in order to really drive value and therefore gain a competitive edge over competition. Can you see a future in which that is not the case, in which organisational software is not a necessity. It's still a luxury. Is that plausible to state or not? Because if that is, if that is the case, then from an investor's point of view, at least from my point of view, you can really narrow down on a company like Palantir, which is a first mover, which does have long-term competitive moats. And therefore, through st- strategic thinking, that's like the most plausible investment to make. So do you agree, number one, that, that, that software as a competitive edge um is the future or isn't the future um can you see any other scenarios playing out and how would you approach it just from a macro point of view in terms of projecting the future of this industry
0: okay for those of people who i guess were wondering if you know software is uh, is has not been permeated or whatever the case is guys like it's already here the whole data emphasis oh. thing christian you were talking about right it's it's not a thing that's going to happen in the next 5 6 years it's here now Okay. okay, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um, so I, I really started my career in 2013-ish. And um, I remember, so I, 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 okay, so I know, I know a consultant who has uh, pretty much been working with all the banks. And um, they're specifically working at that time with, they were like a database administrator at one point. So they dealt with a lot of the database side of things. Um, but they eventually moved over to something like Hadoop, which is just horizontal scaling for data for the most part. But it, it slowly started to take a data approach. And then now he's basically writing ETL pipelines and all this other stuff to actually filter some of the data sets that they have to their analysts who then make some business decisions and so on and so forth. Okay. And this is banks. These are banks. I'm telling you, if a bank is doing it, you're too late. <laughs> 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 okay. Because the, the banks are generally, they're like the Luddites of the software industry. Yeah. They're only ex- they only exist because we need them to like for almost like a legal reason. Okay. So if a bank is starting to ramp up their or ratchet up their, their data work and actually be talking very seriously. And I think, um, what was that? I think, yeah, CIBC from in Canada is actually, they're, they're, they're trying to buy Palantir or something. There's some Palantir work there, but if a bank is looking into it, you're, you're sort of, and you don't know that, like you, you don't, you think it's like, Oh, it's almost here. It's, it's here. And it's been here. So this, the P the companies that do a lot of good in the next 20 years are going to be the ones that actually take, um, the data that they currently have and actually make some use of it. Cause there's actually tons of data banks, especially have tons of data as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's all muddled it's all like basically garbage. It's like, it's a like crude oil, right? You don't, there's nothing you can do with that stuff. You have to basically refine it to actually be able to use it somehow. Um, so, guys, it's already here. Please, whoever's watching, like, don't be like, "Oh, I don't know, guys." This data thing—it's it's, it's not like autonomy, okay? Autonomy is something that is currently being solved. Data it has—it's been a problem in the tech industry for actually decades. And in the past, I would say, in the ten, maybe fifteen years. So, fifteen years ago, maybe in Silicon Valley, but the rest of the sort of world, for the most part, in the past ten years, on one hundred percent, companies have been taking approach. lot of companies like banks have been taking approach to actually, you know, bring some sort of advanced elevated tool to help make sense of their data so guys it's already here so there's no question about that uh for the second thing software is 100 percent eating the world and part of that is because the the cost of developers are dropping like crazy mm. also if, if there are like you know software dev- developers watching you guys got to diversify a little bit okay so <laughs> the, the wages are dropping for you guys so please make sure you do that but anyway um yeah so the cost of developers are, are dropping like crazy you can hire a team if you really wanted to from like the philippines um, with like six good developers, they're not going to be the best, but they will be decent, um, for, you know, the same costs as you would have to hire like one developer or two developers from, from here. But the point I'm trying to make is before this, most of the stuff was all support. Now you can build an entire app, right? You can build it. So there's, <laughs> there, there's a really famous app actually. And a lot of people use it. I think it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's Bumble. I don't want to name drop and, you know, but whatever, let's just, let's just say some, some sort of dating app, Right. A large part of the initial stuff was actually written by, you know, offshore teams in the past, I guess, like six, seven years. Right. So like, I mean, developing is cheap. So software is 100% eating the world. Now we're moved on to the, the, the whole, like, so now we're software 2.0, but it's more like the, the next stage of software, which is the data side of it. Uh, and, and just to actually give you some, some insight, Christian, uh, specifically from something like media, right? there's 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 a thing called cookie deprecation that's happening and this is where I think Palantir should go into and, and they're actually like the companies that are dealing with this are trying to get this kind of solution but every every company stores data and the one that they store that's proprietary is, for, is called first party data and that's usually a massive mess it's a massive mess of just random garbage that you don't know what to do with and there's a lot of teams like data scientists that sit there and they, they basically write segments they write tools that Uh, or they use tools that segment those data to then push it through to the analyst to then go do something with it. So in the case of advertising, they, they use that as a sort of like um, uh, a categorization to then sort of like pitch to, or whatever the case is, right. In the case of internal sales, they use that as a CRM technique or whatever the case is, right. There's a lot of different angles here. So the first party data is always here and it's in every company, by the way, it's in every company. So 100% guys, software is eating the world. This is not, like, if you guys are not software folk, I'm telling you right now, it is happening. It's already here. Like, we're in the midst of it. By the time you realize that it, it might be too late if you're not in the software game.
1: Mm, that's that's kind of a similar response to Coaster.